for that and you're listening to it the save the date wedding podcast the number one podcast about all things wedding save the date is hosted by comedian author and all-around wedding lover alicia mccormack you are listening to the save the date wedding podcast today oh i'm excited about today because we are talking legal stuff now you might be going whoa 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 i don't need no legal advice hey i'm gonna stop you right there Think about this. Imagine you ordered a rustic-inspired, daisy-adorned, beautiful, naked wedding cake and the bakery on the day delivers a dozen pink cupcakes. Oh, perhaps the venue that you've had your heart set on for three years that you've booked and you've paid for contacts you 10 days before the wedding and says, no, we're going to close for renovations. Sorry, can't get married here. What the hell do you do? Do you panic? Do you pay the money? Do you just put up with it and run around like a chook with its head cut off trying to find some solution? No, here's what I'm going to do. I'm offering you a better solution than that. You contact my very lovely guest today. She's an attorney. Her name is Christy Asselin. She is a a wedding lawyer. She is someone that can stop the shit before it hits the fan. How about that for an intro? That's the best intro ever. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was great. Oh, look, Christy, you are one of these people that I have like a million questions for because I think of, I think you've probably heard me say in the podcast that a wedding is a business transaction and a lot of people forget that when they come to plan. No, I'm just saying people do sort of forget it and um, it's important to remember that it's a contract, you know, with your vendor and then the actual marriage is also a contract with you know, your state. So my marriage with my husband is Chris, me and the state of California is not romantic. <laughs> <laughs> She's putting the love back into it. Well, <laughs> I it try. Is, and you do a great job. And look, these, uh, these examples that I read out just then, they are examples I got from your website. And I'm assuming these are examples that you've had to deal with uh, in some sort of way with people having, unfortunately, things go wrong at often the last minute. And then try and figure out what the hell to do to either get their money back or fix the problem. Well, actually my inspiration for, um, <clears throat> for the, the practice idea was really, I was in a wedding about five years ago. I was a maid of honor. My like best friend in the whole world got married and she had bought these, this beautiful, beautiful dress, spent a couple thousand dollars on it plus alterations And right before we put her into the dress to have pictures done about an hour before the ceremony, the zipper broke Mm. and it caused an an absolute (laughs) panic for all of us because we could not get that zipper up. Oh no. And yeah, it was disaster. And we, you know, called the boutique several times and they just never made it out in time. And really the wedding planner and a couple of bridesmaids and myself, we wound up stitching her into the, into the oh wedding dress. Oh my gosh. I know, it was such a bummer. So we afterwards, you know, wound up running a demand letter to the boutique and the boutique um, kind of denied any liability. And I wound up, you know, helping my friend with um, a small claims action. And she did wind up getting quite a bit of money, quite a bit of money back on it. So so in those situations, for example, the dress, I mean, that sucks that that happened. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and obviously the boutique were, how did you see it? The boutique were at fault because they sold a crappy dress or they sold a dud a dud dress. Is that how you approach that angle? Pretty much. Yeah. We said the zipper was malfunctioned, 
malfunction because it wasn't appropriate for the dress. You know, there's a warranty on things that you purchase that they work for the purpose you purchase them. So my friend bought a wedding dress to wear at her wedding. The zipper broke and she couldn't wear it without huge alterations done in the last minute. You you are a lawyer. You're used to, you're trained to, to look at a dispute and figure out what the best solution is, I suppose, for both parties or for the party you're representing. Do you find mm-hmm. uh, that in general, a lot of people are scared to speak up and a lot of people are just scared to actually take that step and going, hey, I've been wronged. Let's fix this. No. I mean, I've talked to quite a few people and when things go wrong and they wind up calling me, you know, they're upset. about what has happened and they're ready to take action. Um, I think the issue comes up because, um, you know, that saying that, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Sometimes people approach um, their contract with their wedding vendor or whomever, and um, they're not always thinking about big, big picture and they don't always think about the fact that something could go wrong. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a really good point to make there that we have, have this whole idea, uh, this image of the perfect day where everything will work. And realistically, mm-hmm. you know, stuff goes down and hopefully it's stuff that you can just fix and not worry about or have a wedding planner that can just push it aside and you don't know. But then sometimes yeah. big things happen and you they're out of your hands, but, you know, you're out of pocket or out of a wonderful experience because of these problems. Absolutely. In fact, something happened to me on my wedding. Tell <laughs> me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. Can you believe this? <laughs> uh, it wanted to be okay, but we had contracted with a vendor um, to do the catering. And we had we wanted really, really yummy food. Um, so we went up hiring a vendor that did um, gourmet pizzas. Um, and so um, I had spoken with their communications director person throughout the entire time before the wedding and then about a month before the wedding she left the position so my uh contact changed and um the problem was that I had been promised that they would provide um a service staff on the day of so um I didn't have to hire one to come in and do the busing and the serving of appetizers, all that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, But the day of the day of the wedding my mother-in-law comes in as I'm getting dressed and she goes Christy um there are supposed to be servers here, right? And I said, yeah. She's like, okay, I got it. Don't worry about it. Oh, Everything's cool. Oh. <laughs> God bless her and our uh, facilities manager for the venue where we got married because um, there were no bussers. There were no service people. There was oh, no one there no. to, like, get the food out or pour the drinks or anything. Oh, no. uh, we had a bartender, but, I mean, kind of refill drinks. So um, at the last minute, we had to hire uh, some people to come in and do that. Thank goodness I didn't know anything about it. But afterwards, I found out and I was not very happy. And, um, you know, I had a lot of uh, records to show that I was promised specifically people to come in and help serve and do the busing. And so he wound up like um, reimbursing us for the cost of the staff that we had to hire the day of. Good. Well, that's a good, that's, I mean, it's a good solution for an outcome from a crappy sort of situation you've been in. I wanted to ask you that, you know, one of these common things everyone sort of puts out there, and it's completely true, is that the average wedding, especially in the States, will cost, you know, 25 to 30 grand, which is crazy money. And a point that you made 
Yeah, it's it's when you put it down, and I always sort of say that's like an average wage, a whole year of your money going to this one event. So you want to make sure you are really covering your ass and making sure it goes well. And the point that you made in an email to me was saying that that sort of figure, when you think about it, is larger is a larger budget than many small businesses begin their whole business with. That's that yeah. puts it into perspective. It's really a lot of money. I mean, that could pay for one year of law school in the United States. <laughs> Crazy. No, a little more than that, but it's a lot of money. It's kind yeah. of ridiculous. So I, the big point when we, we got in contact, I really started to think about all these sort of points that we could help our lovely Save the Date listeners with and perhaps hopefully uh, put them in the position where they know where they stand with their vendors and uh, other people they're dealing with and also what they should do in case these situations are happening right now where they're, they're really worried about, uh, you know, financial dealings and contract dealings especially. So uh, I want to admit to you, I contracts with me can be they're really boring. They're really boring documents. Yeah, and sometimes we look at them and go, ah, I'm sure it'd be fine. Sign it. Tell me about that. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I think, I think a lot of people feel that way. My contracts professor in law school actually said he doesn't read contracts half the time and just signs them. <laughs> so you're not alone. Well, you know, when you're on the iPhone, you know, when you're in the eye, I always think about this when you're in the eye, I'm sure people have done it when they've downloaded my podcast. If you're in the iTunes, when you're in the iTunes and Mm -hmm. it says, oh, you need to update your contract and you have to scan, you do the little flip through about 40,000 pages and then you go click. Yes. And you think I could have just signed my life away. I have no idea, (laughs) but I need to download that podcast or that song so quickly. What do I do? So it's they're hard to look at for the average layperson, especially when you're dealing with a lot of money as well. That wasn't even yeah, a question. It was more just a statement, Christy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, oh, wait, what, did, what am I supposed to say back? It was, just me. it was just me going on a rant about contracts and how I don't often read them and I think it bites me in the ass, basically. Well, most of the time you're not going to have issues. And let's be honest, when you're signing off on your iTunes, you know, updated contract, do you really have much of a choice? Not really. So you're no. just going to sign it anyway. <laughs> I've got to get me my Beyonce. I need to be clicking the button. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, I actually penned a short article on sort of, sort of explaining some of the more standard kind of um, boilerplate pr- provisions you're going to see in contracts. I wrote an article about it. It's up on my blog. I can send you the link later if you'd like. I would love that because it'd be great to post that so people can have a look and scan and see if they can hit the key points of contracts and make sure they're all tickety-boo. Yeah, they can be very confusing. So what are some of the tips? I, I think five big golden rules to making sure that you are in the best possible position when it comes to planning your wedding. Let's let's hit it first one. What, what's your first main point that you would say when it comes to planning the wedding, first, first sort of uh, situation you're in when you might have to hand over money to someone? Um, I think number one is my golden rule, which is get everything in writing. Mm. Um, and that even goes for when your vendor is a personal friend. For instance, your florist is your cousin. Right. That's okay. I mean, that's great to have a family member help you out with your wedding. But um, if they're doing it as a professional, it's you need to have something in writing. Um, so... In addition to that, you also want to make sure that the contract is pretty specific in terms of what duties 
the person has agreed to do before the wedding, during the wedding, and then after the wedding. Um, so for instance, in my situation was I, you know, I specifically asked the vendor whether they were going to provide people to bus up the dishes, um, you know, after the dinner, um, or do I need to hire someone else to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also my photographer, for instance, she, um, I'm using a lot of examples from my own wedding cause it's I love it. on the top of my head. I love it. <laughs> um, she was, is awesome. And she actually was fantastic and she agreed to come and look at the the venue before the big day so she could get a feel for the lighting and kind of the layout of things and that popped into my contract too so you want to make things as specific as possible that way you eliminate the guesswork if anything goes wrong so when you're talking about contracts do you who is the one that should be giving the contract is it the vendor giving the bride to groom the couple the contract or is it okay for you if they don't have a contract could you say hey Here's one I prepared earlier. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the vendor will usually have one. In my experience, I um, have read a lot of vendor contracts, and some of them are just terrible. So I, <laughs> I actually created my own template one <laughs> because right. as I was going along, you know, I was like, I can't even deal with this contract. So I just wanted rewriting, rewriting everything, and um, everything was, you know, peachy keen. So generally speaking, it's the vendor, but. The couple may also, you know, take, you know, um, the control and present their own contract. So when when you are given, say, I I say I've booked some flowers, uh, I've I've gone through and and read the contract, but I'm not happy with a couple of points. For example, I would like the flowers delivered before 9am on the day, but they're saying it's going to be 12. Uh, Is it something that you can go back to and say, I would like this contract amended without having to see a lawyer? Can you agree to do that just one-on-one? Oh, yeah, absolutely you can. I think that part of the, my perspective as the wedding lawyer is, couples should be totally empowered to do what they need to do on their own without even hiring an attorney. Mm. So a lot of my materials that I have out there are really about helping people be empowered to DIY everything at their wedding, including their contracts. If they don't find it economical to hire someone to come in and negotiate for them. Now, I do like you did mention that you have some downloadable contracts on your website. And to be honest, I've checked them out. They're 10 bucks. Honestly, it's probably the best 10 bucks you've ever spent, especially if you are dealing with <laughs> your cousin Jane, who's doing the florist work. If you download mm-hmm. the contracts, spend the money, and then you get it in writing, even if Jane's doing it as a hobby business or it's a second thing, it's it's an investment in covering yourself, isn't it, when it comes to that? Yes. You know, it is the golden rule. Get something in writing with everybody. What's your second big point? Basically, don't pay cash for stuff. <laughs> when you're making these very large purchases, don't pay with cash. You know, use your ATM. Well, preferably use a credit card as long as it's backed by Visa or if you use PayPal. Um, those are much, much better options than using cash um, because your credit card company or PayPal will have its own kind of internal process for handling disputes. So let's say you buy something like a set of invitations off of Etsy and your card is charged or you pay through PayPal and you never receive um, those invitations and the uh, the person selling the invitation, the Etsy store kind of vanishes and falls off the face of the earth. Mm. Your first option is to contact the seller if you can find them. And if they're responsive, that's fantastic. Your second option really should be to contact your credit card company to start a review or charge back process. And it is, and that's what I was going to say, my natural instincts, and I've said it before, is pay cash for stuff, pay cash, you get things cheaper. But then, of course, that does mean that you don't have a paper trail to cover if you are in the situation of 
having to go and follow things up. It makes it pretty hard to to recoup costs that way. Oh, yes. In fact, I I worked, I've done some consumer issues for a long time, and I worked um, on a case a few years ago where there was a, um, a sofa couch company or like a retailer, they basically <laughs> took people's money, and you see this in wedding situations too, took people's money to manufacture a couch and then just like shut down. And oh. all these people who had paid, they'd offered a discount if they paid cash. So all these people who paid cash were totally up a creek and had to go through a lot to get their money back. And and it is something you do see. And I, today I Googled as well, wedding disputes, wedding law and uh, really sad to see, but a lot of the times it's wedding dress shops that are just going broke and just mm-hmm. putting a sign on the wall with the window and then they're like, that's it, we're out of here, and you, no one gets their dresses. Yeah. It's really common. It's, it's And it's terrible. And again, when you're spending $30,000 on your wedding, it's a lot of money. Dresses are like, I mean, I didn't spend that much on mine, but thousands upon thousands yeah. of dollars. I've watched enough say yes to the dress to know <laughs> people will spend like, spend like 12 grand on a dress, <laughs> you know, oh and for them not to get it because they paid cash, you know, it just, I think you just cover yourself a lot better if you pay with um, credit card or PayPal or something. Well, Christy, let's go back to that. So if, for example, you, you do, you put a deposit down on a dress and as we know, a lot of these dress shops want you to put money down a year, six to eight months beforehand. It's a big investment prior to, and then the shop goes bust. They take off to Mexico, wherever, or bankrupt city. Who knows? I'm not saying they're all dodgy, mm-hmm. but it ends. You can't get the dress because mm-hmm. it doesn't physically exist yet. What the hell do you do? You know what? If they're filing for, I mean, honestly, hire a lawyer at that point, especially who spent a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, if someone's filed for bankruptcy, there's like a lot of very complicated bankruptcy procedures that um, creditors can submit a claim, for instance. That's also possibly an issue with fraud that an attorney could help with. Um, those things get a little more complicated. I mean, if the chargeback procedure doesn't help, then I, my answer really is to hire a lawyer because that, yeah. that really does get messy. And it is that, that case of thinking, when is the time to do it? How much money would I, would you spend on a lawyer versus how much money you could get back, especially, I suppose, in a bankruptcy case where you think, well, they've got no money anyway. I'm never going to see this dress. Is it, I've only put, a, I've only, I say only 500 bucks down. Do you just walk away and right. find another dress or do you spend money and time pursuing? It's a big decision, I suppose, to make. It is. And I think it really depends on how much you invested and how much you're willing to continue to invest. Yeah. Um, because even with a bankruptcy case, like you're saying, you submit a claim or you sue them for fraud or whatever, in the bankruptcy court or through a civil claim. And, um, you know, it could be years and years and years and years before you see any money. So it's it's really kind of a it's a economic kind of cost-benefit analysis you have to do. Oh, what, it would be so hardcore, Debbie Downer. I hope anyone that's listening now, actually, look, if you have gone through with that, I'd be interested to hear the solutions. Please get in touch. But I really hope none of my lovely listeners are having these problems. But that's why we're here talking about this today. We are talking all about how to cover, I'm going to say cover your ass when it comes to (laughs) your vendor agreements. When you are in a a financial transaction, yes, weddings are very emotive and wonderful and pretty, but also you are spending a lot of money. That's why Christy is here to tell us more about this very important issue and topic after this. I love talking about negotiating. I love talking about driving a hard bargain. It's all about 
you know, connecting with another person and then seeing where you can go together. But it makes it really hard when you don't have it in writing and you don't know your terms of agreement. So, Christy, this is where we're coming up. This is your number three tip. What, what, how do you negotiate? How do you do good business when it comes, especially with the legal side of things? How do we develop those relationships with the vendor? Well, let's just say that I have come across a few contracts or versions of contracts or modifications and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did they do it this way <laughs> all the time? <laughs> just because as a lawyer, I just see things a little bit different. Mm. And so I, I would recommend people hire someone, if not an attorney, because it's, it's not an especially common practice, a, a wedding professional who can really kind of like help you to negotiate um, the terms of your, your, your dealings with people um, better than you can. Cause uh, I love to negotiate, believe me. And I, <laughs> find it very hard to advocate for myself sometimes. It's really uncomfortable because yeah. it's hard to be the bulldog when you're also trying to be like the cute bride who wants to yes. have a good relationship with all your vendors. I had a wonderful um, facilities manager at our venue and I asked so many hardcore questions. Um, and at one point he was like, look, I'm not trying to price gouge you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think you are. This is just how I function. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's all about communicating. And sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable if you're the ones that are going to be getting married. So hire a professional of some sort. Sure. And I, I mean, I don't think, I feel like it's empowering to know where you stand with what you're doing. And, and also, especially if you've worked damn hard for that money and you have an Mm -hmm. idea of what you want, then you want to make sure that you get it. And I think communication obviously is the key but also you're right it's really hard to stand across from someone and say ah that's too much money but then they're the people that you're going to be dealing with for the next six to 12 months so it it, it's it's really tricky i suppose that's where a wedding planner comes in to some extent as well you can sort of pass the buck a little bit literally Oh, yeah. It's just uncomfortable. I mean, that's why actors and directors and producers all have agents and managers to help them with this stuff because it's like, you know, you want to be like the talent. (laughs) You don't want negotiating. You know, probably. Yeah, I've been in that situation. And it it is hard when you are in a room, especially I work in telly. In telly, that's what we say here in the book. We work in telly, in television. And you do have to, when you freelance, you have to negotiate your rate and then you sit two mm-hmm. two seats down from the person that you have been talking money with and you work with them and I always find that incredibly hard because you want to go hey I'm awesome I'm worth this money but then also you know it's very easy to be a complete pushover and take less money because you want to be polite mm-hmm. so that's it's tricky yeah totally definitely is. we it comes to number four I'm going to call this number four the paper trail let's talk about the paper <laughs> trail <laughs> Yes. You want to keep everything. You know, whenever I work with a a client, um, my first question is, did you keep all your records? Because I'm basically in a court of law, (laughs) unless you have a document to prove up what you're saying, the court, the judge may or may not believe you. It could be comic. He said, she said thing, which is something you really want to avoid. So the more emails, the more contract negotiation stuff you have, like, you want to have it all together so if something goes wrong, you can present it really, really well to the court and say, well, look, this vendor promised me X. Here is the contract provision I think um, shows that. And then on top of that, I have you know some emails that happened after the contract that even prove it up more. So just keep everything in writing. In fact, and you know, sometimes when you have meetings with people, things will come up during a meeting, and you know, it's 
<laughs> you're not going to be like, wait, hold on, let me write this down and I'll have you sign it. I mean, that's just, it's not going to happen in normal conversation if something important comes up. So I always advise people to, you know, send out a confirmation email after an important conversation or, um, you know, a meeting of some sort, just to kind of set forth what you had discussed. And it doesn't have to be aggressive. It could just be, as we've had a chat in our meeting today, we decided that you are going to charge me $200 for this instead of $500 and you will arrive at this time. I mean, it can be really friendly and casual, but then it's a good way just to say, hey, that's set in stone. We've pressed send. It's gotten to you. You've acknowledged it and it's it's on record. Absolutely. And you don't have to be, like you said, aggressive about it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty like friendly and a generally nice person, you know, so I, I do this kind of stuff and it doesn't really make anyone mad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just have to be, you know, like this is the most normal thing in the world and this is how I'm going to do it and I'm going to be really nice about it. <laughs> there is not, and I think the thing is there is nothing wrong with standing your ground and knowing your rights. I really believe, yeah. especially as women as well, that people, this dickheads will go, she's aggressive and she's, you know, uh, she's she's rude and whatever. You go, well, actually, if a man was saying this a lot of the time, this wouldn't even be an issue. Uh, so I really mm-hmm. struggle sometimes with being outspoken and being judged yeah. in a certain way. And I'm sure you see this all the time as a, an attorney mm-hmm. and a female attorney. I hate even having to mention yeah. our sex in this situation, but it is that idea to go, we mm-hmm. can be strong and outspoken and not be, you know, a bulldog about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but yes. <laughs> Does no, does no be organized, I suppose, is the big thing. I, I've advocated a few times now that you have a, a, an email address that's completely dedicated to weddings, and that would be a good way that you're not getting things mixed up, especially receipts and invoices and correspondence with other your daily life emails. So that would be a good way just to keep it all going to the one address. Then you can't really lose anything. All right, number five. <laughs> Oh, this is if things go down. Let's talk about number five. What? How do we, if if things have really gone to the dark side, where do we do? What mm-hmm. do we do? So if you have to really sort of dig your heels in and um, take some kind of action and you have to, you know, bring up a claim in small claims court or and that's, I'm thinking just as California, I don't know what other um, countries do. I know you're inter- this is a very international podcast. I'm going to add a little disclaimer here. Obviously we're talking general here. Christy's not giving you legal advice for your specific area because she's not a, she's a wizard. She's a magic, wonderful attorney, but she's mm-hmm. not an international law wizard. So you've got to obviously seek professional advice in your area, but carry on Christy. There you go. That was my legal disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. That was well put. Thank you very much. Um, so you're welcome. Um, there may be a career in law for you in the future. You never know. <laughs> uh, I would love it. Um, yeah, you'd be great at it. Um, okay, so you don't want to wait to bring a case. Like, don't have a problem with your vendor and then, like, let it sit for years and years and years. Like, you really want to act as soon as possible. Um, there's statute of limitations issues to be concerned with, which are basically um, – it's the law that prohibits you from um, suing after a certain date. So in California, depending on what claim it is, you have between um, about one and four years, depending on what kind of claim you're bringing um, to bring a case against a vendor or whomever. So just don't wait. And if you think something is really going down, you know, contact, contact an attorney um, to help you figure out what your steps are. Do you think it's something like, I, I was just thinking out loud here about, you know, you've hired a photographer, you get the photos back and they're all 
shit. They're all blurry and awful. I mean, clearly that's something you can't redo. But I suppose there would be an avenue to pursue saying you said you were going to take photos that were actually not blurry. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Yes, I see this all the time. It's the photographers and the videographers. Mm -hmm. They're the biggest source of wedding insurance claims. And they're maybe the most important part of your wedding. They're a large chunk of your budget. And they're there to preserve this day for you, which will happen one time and is an incredible experience. And you'll want to look back on those photos and those videos. Yeah. So you, that's, it makes me very, very sad. And I've heard a lot of stories about, like you said, photos coming back blurry. One thing I did not mention that I I do consider an important factor to consider is getting some kind of wedding insurance. There's a cancellation insurance and there's liability insurance. Um, so you can, I forget which one you would use. I guess it would be the cancellation. I'm sorry, the liability insurance in case a photographer, let's say, gives you back really blurry photos or you never get your photos. You would, you, you could potentially file a claim with your insurance carrier. And if that's not an option, then you would have to sue in small claims court or, or depending on the value of the photos, um, take it to a superior court. Oh my God. I feel stressed. I feel stressed, but I feel sad, but I also feel (laughs) empowered in the sense to go, well, don't just take it. Just actually, you know, you've paid for a service. You should be able to have that service done properly. Yes, absolutely. And it's the photographers and the videographers that break my heart the most when I hear those stories. I heard, I heard a story last year or maybe a year before about this woman that had had wedding insurance coverage for this type of issue and um, her photos turned out terribly. So the option was to um, probably take money or have them redone. So she redid her wedding photos. <laughs> I, don't, really? I don't think the wedding party was there. It was just her and her husband. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that having to redo it all. I mean, it'd be fun, but sort of bad. <laughs> I would put on that wedding dress again in a second. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking, uh, it's in my cupboard. I could still do it. We could have yeah, it happen I would again. do it. <laughs> Well, luckily, I, we had a fabulous wedding photographer, so we didn't have any problems in that area. I, I was just trying to think about what areas that I would have seen. I, I suppose, we, we, you know, we had a wonderful caterer, but they were a little slack with getting back to us. And I was panicked mm-hmm. the week that before. A lot. It's funny, isn't it? And I think that was, I've got, yeah. I get lots of questions about that saying, oh, I don't really feel very important. We've paid all this money and they really slow getting back on the emails. I hope they turn up on the day. And we had a little bit of that concern and they were amazing on the day. And we were like, oh, they were fine. But I did get nervous beforehand. As soon as you sign that contract, the sale is over. So they start taking their time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Phone call. <laughs> Everyone just settle mm-hmm. down. They've got your money now. Just relax. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, majority of the time, stuff isn't going to happen. Bad things are not going to happen. It's yeah. just, this is good information to have just in case. You, you've just taken the words out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Hopefully, you don't have any problems and it all goes completely to plan. But it's good to have that knowledge because knowledge is power and you, you know where to go and when to jump on something if it's not working for you, especially if you have paid a lot of money and stuff is not going your way. So, Christy, if people want to contact you, I love your website, yourweddinglawyer.com. It's very simple. Yeah. Now, you deal with people only in California, but can you uh, tell people, can you help people in 
pushing them in the right direction if they are from elsewhere? If you are from elsewhere and you feel the need to hire an attorney for something wedding related, what I would do is you want to contact your local bar association because they frequently have a referral service. So you'll call them. They have a panel of attorneys that they probably have interviewed or done some kind of investigation on, um, and they will put you in contact. And can we use your contract? Can someone in Australia use your your contract uh, that you have a downloadable template for? Is that something that we can use internationally? I would say I'm not sure internationally, to be honest with you. But I would say if you're in the States, it is flexible enough to be kind of adapted to your needs. Great. Um, they I, I'm a California attorney. I come from that perspective. The, cal- the contract comes from, comes from that perspective, but I don't think that there is much in there that would be unenforceable. It's pretty straightforward, very simple stuff. I would say, and, and look again, this is coming from, I've seen, I've seen a lot of legal programs, legal dramas on the television. So I'm pretty well informed law wise, but <laughs> <laughs> I would say that surely if you are with a vendor that doesn't have a contract that you must download, go, go to Christie's website, download the contract, have something in your hand to take along and get it in writing no matter what, because you're much better covered yeah. with that sort of document than nothing at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. You are a gem. I feel more informed. (laughs) I could talk to you a lot more. I have lots of other questions, and I'm sure my listeners have questions. So if you have a legal wedding-y question that you would like, you know, that's not too in-depth. I mean, if you're suing someone, clearly just see a lawyer. But if you want something answered, pop me an email. Visit savethedatepodcast.com. And uh, Christy's very busy, but I would love to have you back on in your various I would love it. Oh, well we will do a special Q&A episode where we can gather some of these problems, issues and give you positive solutions. Visit yourweddinglawyer.com/contracts is where you're going to find that document. All of this information will be on the save the date wedding podcast.com website. Um, I'm going to put all the five points we've spoken about today and also some information in regards to where you can contact your uh local bar association in your area. I can't list them all because I'm only human, but I'll find some very (laughs) general websites where you can look up and click on. And uh, I wish you all the best in planning your wedding this week. Make sure you listen to Q&A Thursday and uh, do get in touch. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Christy. You're amazing. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here. Happy lawyering. (laughs) Happy wedding. (laughs) Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.